David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We're so glad that you are here today, that you chose to come out and worship with us. And I know God is going to do something special today. Let me tell you what's going to happen here. A couple of things. At near the end of the service, I'm going to pray for folk, uh, kind of a general prayer. And then and anybody that needs to leave can. And then after that, we're going to have a time of just special ministry and prayer around the altar today. I feel a real anointing for people, just to anoint people. So if there's something special, a breakthrough that you need, a healing in your body, a healing in your, a, a relative's body, uh, whatever it may be, then, then we're going to have a prayer time. I'm at, and I want our elders and prayer warriors to join me this morning, and we're just going to have a, a, a great, great time. I want to start this morning. We're going to be speaking on the message, using God's power to live the life that God has, uh, has for us, this new life, Okay using God's power to live the new life that God has given to us. Now, one of the best illustrations that I know, and I'm thinking, wow, I don't know if I could come up with a better illustration. I have a friend of mine who was wanting to do something special for his sister and brother-in-law, so he goes to their house and he mows their grass, okay? How many of you know that's a good deal? That's a great deal. That's, that's, that's a great deal. Somebody can come mow mine anytime you want to, okay? <laughs> Uh, but anyway, he just, out of the generousness of his heart, he just very generous, and he wanted to do something special. So he goes, and he mows his brother-in-law's lawn, okay? So the brother, and the brother-in-law comes back, and he's all sweaty, and he's all out of breath, and, and it's a pretty good-sized yard, you know? And, and, and the brother-in-law asked him, why are you so you know, profusely sweating like you are and all that? He said, wow. He said, that's a, a big mower. And he said, you know, that mower is hard to push, he said, that's a self-propelled mower. Surely you didn't go and mow this whole grass with a self-propelled mower by yourself. Come on, somebody. Now, he did. He, he, this was a, a friend of mine. He actually did this, okay? A, a self-propelled mower that all you have to do is just hit a little gear and you just go behind it and it mows the grass and very comfortable. But he pushed this thing all over uh, the yard and mowed the grass, you know, and he's like, wow. How many of you know sometimes you and I are guilty of not using God's power? We try to use our own strength. Come on, somebody. We try to get in what, doing it our way and, instead of God's way. How many of you would agree this morning that doing it God's way is a better way? Doing it God's way with God's spirit. Let God fight your battles. Let God do those things for you. And, you know, things are going to work out so much better. Now, the scripture I'm using this morning is 2 Corinthians 5.17. And it says this, anyone who belongs to Christ has become, notice this, a new person. Everybody say new person. person. Say it again. I can't hear you. New New person. Now, notice this. The old is, help me out gone, and a new life has begun. Oh, I love that. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray, God, a a special anointing to fall upon the ears and the hearts of every one of us that are here this morning upon these lips of clay. God, we want your way. We pray thy kingdom come, your will be done. And we ask you to have your way this morning in this service. I know, God, that you're here. I know that you're doing some special things, and God, we just want to be a part of that this morning. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Now, how many of you would admit this morning that there's been times that someone told a joke, 
And although you laughed at the joke and you smiled at the joke, but in the back of your head you said, you're thinking, I really didn't get it. <laughs> but you didn't get it. Now, there's things in God's word where that God drops a revelation in the hearts and minds of his people, and many get it. It sinks into their hearts. They understand it, and they begin to walk in it. In others, it takes a little bit more time. I want to show you a truth of revelation that will change the way you see things. Jesus said, when? Everybody say, when? when. Say, when. when? One more time. Say, when? When, when you know the truth, it brings freedom to your life. And the operative word there is know and when. Those are the operative words there. You know, when you know the truth. You know, it's not just a knowledge. It's when you know the truth, it brings freedom. And when you know the truth and when you really get it, it brings freedom into our lives. Now, my prayer this morning is that when you grasp this truth, that it'll bring freedom into your life. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creature. Now, anybody here, anybody here belong to Christ this morning? Let me see your hands. Anybody here? Okay. He's talking to you. He's talking to each and every one of us that belong to Christ, okay? And if you don't, we're going to give an altar call you can this morning. But that's who he's talking about, okay? So anybody who belongs to Christ, he says, has become a new person, a new creation, okay? A new creation. And what does that look like? The old is gone, and there's a new life. You're not walking the old trail anymore. You're walking a new path. You know, instead of the mundane, whatever it is, you have a smile on your face because Jesus is in your heart. Now, he says anyone who belongs to Christ, he doesn't say might become a new uh, person or could become a new person. He talks, it's a very affirmative, you will become a new person. Now, here's the rub, here's the problem. Some never figure out that that, that could be true for them. And that now God is either a liar or he tells the truth. And when God gives us a promise and when God says something, you know, many times we're saying, well, God, this is not happening for my life. You know, it's supposed to happen for your life. You need possibly to dig a little bit deeper to see why it's not happening in your life. And when you know the truth, when you begin to get it, when you begin to understand it, and when the revelation begins to come to you and you understand what God is saying, it brings a freedom that's beyond anything that you know. Now, let me tell you of a person in the Bible who wrote 14 books of the New Testament that had a problem with this new life, and he began to share that, and I believe we can learn, his name was, first his name was Saul, his, his name was changed when he became, uh, you know, uh, to Jesus, to Paul. And if you look at Romans chapter 7, verse 15, I believe we, if you'll go to the next slide, I believe we have it on the next slide, if you'll go there. No, that's not it. Go back to the other slide. I'm sorry. Uh, in your Bibles, turn to Romans 7, 15. It may be in your notes. I think it is in your notes. Uh, are you in turn with me to Romans 7, 15, okay? And here's what Paul says. He says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way. In other words, I'm making a decision one way, but then I act another doing things I absolutely despise. In other words, he said, I make a decision to go this way, and I, I find myself not going that way. That's what he's saying. He says, the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my, my best intentions. And he says, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have 
what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. Notice this. He said, I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but when I do it, I do it anyway. My decisions. Now, he's talking about himself. He said, he said I, I have a problem here. I want you to hear me. But then he's going to give us a solution to that. He said, my decisions, which are true, don't result in actions. Sometimes, something rather, has gone wrong deep, notice this, within me, and gets the better of me every time. Everybody say, wow. Now, this guy in the Bible, Paul, supposedly had his act together, but he's being transparent, okay? And he's kind of being open. He's wrote 14 books that we, you know, of the Holy Scripture, the Holy Writ, and, 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 but he's being transparent, you know, and he's talking about the old life and the new life, and he's going to show us something. Now, this guy who seems to be doing everything right, he says exactly uh, what many of us feel and sometimes what many of us find ourselves doing. So how can I stop doing the wrong things? How can I stop, start doing the right things? Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say, apart from me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, if, if, if I'm out of the equation, you, you, there's nothing that you can do. Apart from me, you can do nothing, okay? I want you to see this. Apart from me, you can do nothing, okay? He didn't say, apart from me, there's a few things. No, 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 he said nothing. Apart from me, there's nothing you could do. So I want you to write down this in your notes. So on the first point here, number one, write this down. It is impossible to live the life of Christ apart from the spirit of Christ. I'm gonna say it again. It is impossible to live the life of Christ apart from the spirit of Christ. And the scripture, Jesus' words in red, Jesus said, apart from me, you could do nothing. If I'm not in the equation, there's nothing that you can do. No amount of good intentions, hard work, whatever, it's not gonna happen. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But there's another side of this coin. On the opposite side of that coin that he says, and I want you to look at it you know, with me in, in your notes, I believe it's on the screen too, Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Apart from him, I can do nothing, but when he's in the equation, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we're gonna talk about doing all things through Christ and how he strengthens us in the things that he wants us to do, okay? I can do nothing or I can, I, I can do all things. It's either all or nothing. There's no in-betweens, okay? I want you to see that. So what's the secret of doing these all things? It's in our, our strength. Where does our strength come from? Our strength comes from the Lord. And this morning, I want to tell you something. Some of you, you know, you, you know, in this new life, you're saying, you know, I just don't feel like I have the strength to carry on. I, I will to do this, but it's not happening for me. That's the reason you need the strength of Christ in your life. If you believe that, say amen. We need Jesus. We need more Jesus, less of us. And, the, and, 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 you know, we see the prophet, John the Baptist, had it right. He said, I, speaking to himself, must decrease, but he must increase in my life. It's got to be more of Jesus and less of me. And the same, it is true with you as well. Somebody say amen. amen. So let me give you some ideas of, of strengths, kind of strengths that we can get. Now, then I, I'm going to talk about how he actually gives you that strength. Okay, number one, write this down. He gives us strength that we might accomplish my goals. 
See, many of you are setting goals in your life. There's things that you want to happen in your life, in your Christian life, in your walk with, with the Lord. And you set these goals. And we begin to set faith goals in our life, not just our giving, but our living, okay, that we're setting goals. And we must realize we cannot do those things on our own. We need Jesus. Somebody say amen. We have to have the strength of Christ. Christ's strength must be in us. He gives that a strength to do those things. Otherwise, we will just burn out. Otherwise, it'll come to the place where we'll just, you know, falter by the wayside without Christ. And we're, you know, you, you may do some things in your own strength, but after a while, that strength is going to dissipate. It's going to be gone, okay? So he gives us strength to accomplish my goals. We need his strength. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Secondly, uh, we need his strength to influence the world. Now, he said for us to be a witness. Now, how can I do that? How, can, how many of you that you really felt like God wanted you to witness to someone and, and, and you're, you're just thinking, oh, I can't do that. Let me see your hands. Be honest this morning, okay? You know, that little, you know, kind of backward feeling there, you know? So how do we witness? Now, our life can be a witness, first of all, okay? But also, sometimes God wants us maybe to speak to somebody. Now, how do we do that? How do we get to influence this world? He gives you the strength to influence the world you know, around you, okay? How are you going to interact with your culture uh, around you, okay? How are you going to do that? You can either be a, a, a thermometer or you can be a, a, a thermostat. A thermometer and thermostat. I'm going to give you the, tell you what those are. A thermometer is an, an accurate reflection of your environment around you, okay? A, a, a thermometer does, what it does is it tells you how things are. A thermometer tells you how things are. And a person who's a thermometer is the kind of person who says that this is what the culture says. Uh, you know, one begins like people around you is like me, and I'm just going to fit in. I'm going to be a thermometer, okay? That's, that's what it is. You know, you fit in with the culture. The culture is going this way. You go that way. That's what it is, okay? But a thermostat sets the temperature. Everybody say a thermostat sets the temperature. And there's quite a difference in that. A thermostat determines what the environment will be like and what the environment you want it to be like. Let me tell you something. When I walk into a room, let me tell you something. I think that room's going to be different because I'm there. Come on, somebody. I'm not being boastful. I'm, Bob, I'm talking about the Lord Jesus in me. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the anointing of God. Come on, somebody, because we have the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our lives. So we can set the tone. We can set the tone. You know, we can do that. You know, folks, you say, well, pastor, you know, that's easy for you to say you're pastor of a church and you're not out in the world. Let me tell you something. I worked in the shop for 10 years. I know what it's like. I know, uh, you know, how, how, how mankind is. I know how people are. I I've been the bun of jokes and all that, you know. I, I, I walked into the lunchroom and it got real quiet, you know, because I was there and I don't know what they were talking about before, but they didn't want to talk about it when I was in there. I've been in that situation. I understand that. But I want to be a thermostat. Come on, somebody. I want to set the tone in my world. I want to be an influence. I, I don't want people to influence me. I want to influence them, you know. So if my loved ones or my friends or my family members or anybody else uh, that, that needs to come to the Lord, I want to be a thermostat where I go into the place where I, you know, influence their life, influence my world around me. Somebody say amen. And Christ is the one who gives you the strength to influence the world around you. You can't do that on yourself. 
I tried to do that. It, it, it doesn't work. You have to be, have Jesus. You, you have to, you know, and, and, and getting on your knees and praying, asking God to help you, asking God to help you in situations. And then you begin to walk in that strength that he gives you, okay? God wants us to be that way. Somebody say amen. To do the things that you know are right, even though the way may not be culturally or politically correct. And you know what? We're living in a time, I won't tell you something, in America, we've had a lot of freedoms, but we're seeing some of those freedoms go by the wayside. And there may be more of that. Let me tell you something. The Constitution does not decide what I do. The Bible does. My life is determined by what Jesus said. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm not, one of the, I'm not going to bash anybody. The Bible, matter of fact, the quite opposite. The Bible says that we're to love one another. Somebody say Amen. I'm to love everybody. I, I don't care who it is. Uh, you know, I'm to love people. That's what we do. But at the same time, we take a stand for what we believe. Somebody say amen. And this is what the Bible says. I tell people that all the time. Number, number three there, resist temptation. Why? Because temptation comes to us all the time. So that's the third one, resisting temptation. If you just try to fight off temptation, it's not going to work on your own. There's no temptation taking you but such as is common unto man. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able. But with the temptation, make a way for your escape so God will help you in the areas of temptation in your life. How many of you have been tempted, those of you that know Jesus, how many of you have been tempted since you've been saved? Let me see your hands. Look at this. I'm tempted every day. I'm tempted to do something that maybe, and here's the thing, temptation, you know, you can ask God to forgive you if you fall into temptation, but you better watch out because somewhere along the line, you can get into a lifestyle of that, and somewhere along the line, the enemy can get the hooks in you. Come on, somebody. And that's what he wants to do. You know, it's not a one-time thing. The, the next one, the number four, endure trials. Endure trials, Okay. And this is the fourth one, endure trials and hardships. They do come our way. The things that I go through, the troubles that I face, he gives me strength to endure those trials. Now, how many of you have had a trial since you've been saved? Let me see your hand. How many have had a trial uh, this year? Let me see your hand. How many of you had a trial this month? Let me see your hand. How many of you have had a trial even today? Let me see your hand. And it seems like that every time you turn around, we're facing things that come against us as Christians. And let me just say this, folks, we are going against the culture of this world. We are swimming upstream. We're going against the things of this world. We're in the world, but we're not surely of it. Come on, somebody. And we're going against the culture of this world. And because of that, hardships will come our way. If you believe that, say amen. amen. The things I face, the things I go through, the problems that I face... He gives me in strength to endure those trials, okay? And if it's not just you getting through uh, by the skin of your teeth either, but he gives you strength that you could be the overcomer. As a matter of fact, he even takes the very thing that the enemy's trying to use against you and makes it as a way for your escape, okay? According to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, hallelujah. Oh, thank God. But when you do this in the strength of the Lord gives you the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. Now, that is the strength that you need. I can do all things through Christ. Who, help me out, strengthens me. Say it again. Say it again. Obviously, there's times that we're weak. Would you agree with that? Obviously, there's times that you wake up of a morning and you look outside, you want to pull the shades and roll back over. Come on, somebody. That's life. We have those days. How many of you just had one of those days? You know, Murphy's Law, anything that can happen, that did happen. I mean, you know, we need God's strength. Somebody say amen. amen. So he gives you strength to accomplish 
those things. You can face these trials with a joy. You can face these trials with a courage. You can face these trials with strength on the inside of you. He gives you a strength to accomplish, strength to influence, strength to resist, strength to endure. He gives you a supernatural strength. There's times that I'm saying, God, I'm going to need your help here. And it's like, oh, hallelujah. As David said, I could run through a troop and loop, leap over a wall. You know, sometimes I just feel that way. It's like, whoa, glory to God. What strength I just received. Because I ask. Asking it shall be given. Seeking you shall. Knocking it shall be opening to you. That's the procedure that we go through. We're asking God for help. He'll give it to you. He will give it to you. All right. How does Jesus give us this strength? He does it through the Holy Spirit. And here's where we're going this morning. We're zeroing in on God's power. Okay. So when you get saved, you know, you get saved. That, that, that's the initial step. You come into the kingdom of God. But, you know, Jesus, after the disciples had believed in him, he said, it is profitable that I go away. For if I go away, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will come. In other words, it's profitable, you know, it, for me to go away. Because here's the thing. Jesus could only be at one place at one time, okay? Uh, because he was, he was the son of God, but he's also the son of man. He had a body like we did. You know, if you go to outer space, you have to, or the moon or whatever, they have to have a space suit, okay? Because they can't live in that environment, okay? They have a suit. This is our suit. This flesh that we're in is our suit. You're a spirit man, okay? And this, this suit that you're in, okay, uh, you know, Jesus could only be at one place at one time. If he is in Samaria, he was in Samaria. He couldn't be in Samaria and Galilee at the same time. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? He was a man, but he was also the son of God, okay? I'm not taking anything away from Jesus, but he's also, he confined himself when he come into a body. Come on, somebody, to be like us. That, you know, so, you know, you, you, and that's another subject altogether. But he says, profitable that I go away. If I go not away, the Holy Spirit will not come. So number two, write this down. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. He said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem, for there you shall be endued with power from on high. And they went, they tarried, and as they were there, the Holy Spirit fell. It came upon them, and they began to receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How does the Holy Spirit come upon you? Jesus talked about it in John 14. Look at the scripture I have up on there, on the screen. He says, I will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit who will help you and will keep on living in you. So the Holy Spirit begins to abide in you. He will live in you. When you walk, he walks. When you go, he goes. And when you open your life to Christ, he directs you to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has come for that purpose. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says, Once the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives within you, he will by that same Spirit bring to your whole being a new strength and vitality. In other words, it's not, you know, you, 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 know you, you, you have Jesus, you come to Jesus, Jesus is in your heart, and then you ask for the Holy Spirit to come into your life, and when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he takes you to a whole new dimension. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and once you come to Christ, the next step is receiving the infilling. Here's what the Bible says in Galatians 5, walk in the Spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit that you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. 
it does not say, it does, it, it does not say uh, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and then walk in the spirit. I want you to notice it, it says walk in the spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? So you don't concentrate on not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, but you concentrate on walking in the Spirit. Folks, I'm telling you, when you begin to walk in the Spirit and, and let the Spirit, you know, rule in your life, you're going to go to a new dimension in your faith. And let me tell you that some of the things that used to bother you won't bother you anymore because you're, you're going to be an empowered, Holy Ghost-empowered person that you can do things that normally that you could not do before, okay? Walk in the Spirit that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, Now, it means that you don't allow God, it means rather, I should say, that you do allow God to have control of your life, and once God has control of your life, the flesh begins to go to the the wayside. In other words, you are letting the, the Spirit of God have control of your life. And let me, you say, well, what does that look like? Well, we're going to talk about that. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 13, on that day, God gave His Spirit, the crowd didn't understand, and others mocked, and they said, these guys are filled with new wine. I mean, they've been drinking some wine. I mean, there's something, you know, now think about this. Verse 15, Peter said, for these men are not drunk as you suppose. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Let, let, let's kind of let, peel the onion a little, a little bit, get down. What is he talking about there? What does he mean when he says, uh, for these men are not drunk as you suppose? As you suppose, since it's only the ninth hour of the day, it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning, okay? They, they didn't have time. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, uh, Joel, that in the last day saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men uh, will see visions, okay? And, and on my handmaidens, I'll pour out my spirit. They'll prophesy. Things will begin to happen in, in, in a tremendous way. And, and, and so how many of you have ever witnessed a drunk man walk? Let me see your hands. Have you ever witnessed it? You know, what, what, what is it, you know, what is the walk like? You say, Pastor, you got it down. That's B.C. now. I mean, there's a little stagger and swagger there, you know. It's not being in control. It's not being in control. A drunk person sometimes is not in total control of his faculties. Yes or no? Can you say amen to that? I want you to see this because when the unbelieving looked and they're thinking, what's wrong with these? What's wrong with them? I mean, you know, how many of you know a drunk person gets happy? Oh, yeah. Come on now. Am 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 I preaching good? So, so a drunk man, he staggers, he's out of control. He's also so happy. He's just joyful, you know. It's like, hey, how you doing? You know, you're looking at him and say, three sheets in the wind, that's how you're doing. I can tell how you're doing because, you know, you, you've been drinking something there because you just got too much joy in your life. So, you know, so when they looked at these, you know, there was something going on there. You know, they walked differently, you know. And, and, and you know, the, the, you know they, they, they talked differently. And they begin to act differently. And all of these things, as we talk about walking in the spirit, 
That's what we need to do when we come to Christ. We need to walk in the Spirit. Come on, somebody. We need to walk in the Spirit. We have a joy. How many of you have ever had someone to say, hey, well, what's going on in your life? Why are you smiling? I know you have trials just like I do. You have your bills to pay, and you, know, you have all these situations you're dealing with, and you've got a smile on your face. Amen. Amen. I don't get it. They don't understand that. See, because we are walking in the Spirit. Everybody say walking in the Spirit. We're walking in the Spirit that we're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Now, I, I wanna, now let me concentrate on that a minute. I'll get back to that, okay? So we're, we're walking in the Spirit that you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. No, God doesn't start there. See, sometimes we start on the negative end. God starts on the positive end, okay? Walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, how many of you know that in the Garden of Eden, that when God created, you know, Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden, and he gave them all, everything that was there, it was a beautiful place. But how many of you know there was one thing that they were not supposed to eat? What was it, Joe? Fruit. fruit certain fruit. Now, how many of you know that you can tell your children, you know, you can do anything in this house, but don't, you can't go over here. Where are they going to go? They're focused over there. See, that is in us. That's in us. How, how many of you know that you, there could be a thousand things good and, and everything's just a thousand things that are good, but there's one little thing that's not right? How many of you know sometimes people just go to that one little thing that's not right? They're prone to do that. Well, see, God says walk in the Spirit that you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Don't be concentrating on this over here. Concentrate on what God wants to do in your life. And folks, I'll tell you, if you'll start doing that, things will start happening in your life like you've never seen before. Come on, somebody. Because if you walk this way, then you won't be walking that way. You'll be walking the way God wants you to walk, walking in the Spirit, and things will begin to happen in your life. And you know, you're not going to be focusing on, oh, I can't do this or I shouldn't be doing that. No, you're not going to be focused on that. You're going to be focusing on what God wants you to do. You're going to be walking in the Spirit. And yes, you may be a little bit different. Yes, some of your friends may not understand you the way they, you used to. But yes, some of, some of those things may be true, but you're going to walk in the Spirit. See, they didn't understand. Number three, write this one down. We need to be continually filled with the Spirit of God. Now, you know, you know what does that look like? I've got a little illustration we're going to give you here this morning. You know, you keep on being filled. You're continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time experience, but you're continuing on a daily basis. You're asking God for his fullness in your life. You, you, want, you want to be filled with his Spirit. In fact, the Bible in Ephesians 5 says this, uh, be or being filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, it's the present, present uh, participle, Okay. And it's a, a continual action, okay? It's something that it's not a one-time thing, but it's something that you're continually doing, okay? So we are continually being filled with the Spirit of God. You know, and when you begin to drink in the things of God, when you begin to drink in the Holy Spirit, when you begin to drink in the things that God wants you to be, let me tell you something, you're going to be more like God. Come on, somebody. You're going to feel like God with your strength. You're going to act like God. You're going to walk like God. You're going to walk in the Spirit because the Spirit of God is going to be all over your life. If you believe that, say amen. Be or being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing availability to a continually ongoing flow of the presence of God in your life. 
and the Holy Spirit begins to come in your life in a brand new way. Now, I want to give you this illustration, and uh, I've got a helper this morning. Uh, Yeah, let's give Jeff a hand. Set it up here, Jeff. Would you do that for me? Yep, bring it right over here. Oh, look at this. Yeah, just bring it down up front. Look at this guy knows what to do, man. Lieutenant Colonel Jeff, let's give him a hand. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Okay, here we go. We're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? And, you know, you're just like, I'm going to fill this glass, and, you know, you're filling with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to fill it all the way up because I don't want it, you know, you know, but you need to be filled all the way up. Come on, somebody. See, some of you are like this. Some of you are like that. Some of you are like that. Some of you are like. So you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if that was going like that, it could be a continually filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? You know, also, you need to be baptized in the Spirit. So being baptized is, is submerging this glass into that where it's not only, it's not only, you know, what's inside, but all over you, you are emerged and submerged with the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. Amen. And you're just dripping with the Spirit of God. And so when you get around someone, you know, you, just, you begin to talk to them, and it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, wow, that person's in the Spirit. You can just tell the Holy Spirit. Now, folks, I'm not getting spooky this morning. I'm not talking about the, a spooky ghost this morning. Come on, somebody. I, I'm talking about the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? amen. I, and I'm not being facetious either. I, I just want you to know the Spirit of God is real, okay? It's a real experience that you can have, and you can be baptized in that. You can be submerged in that. It, 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 it can do something to your life like nothing else can, okay? So, so this, this is what God wants us to hear, okay? He wants us, and we call it, you know, being in the river, you, you know, being in the river of life, okay? In other, the, the other words, it, it, it's something that is flowing in your, you know, Jesus said, out of your innermost being shall flow. Help me out. Rivers of living water. Now, folks, if you've got that rivers of living water flowing out of you this morning, when someone pushes your button, when someone tells you off, when someone pulls out in front of you and then begins to holler at you and start throwing fingers up or whatever it may be, you're going to say, God bless you. Well, I'll tell you what, Pastor, where I come from, (laughs) I came from that way too, okay? Can I give you a little story, honest, and I can verify this, okay? This is a BC story, but I want to tell you. I'm just going to tell you where God brought me from, because you might be saying, ah, pastor, you don't know nothing about life. You don't know nothing. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You know, when I got saved, the week I got saved, I told the pastor that, you know, I said, you know, if you need help with anything, I'd be glad to help you around the church or anything. He said, hey, I'm going on visitation Saturday. Will you go with me? I said, what does that look like? What does that mean? I don't have to say anything, do I? <laughs> I'm not preaching or anything. No, no, no. You're just going with me. I said, okay, I can do that. Well, yeah, I like that, you know. So I went with him, and we visited a couple places real nice, and we pulled up to this one house. I said, what are we doing here? He said, oh, they just started. Uh, they came to our church last week, I thought. And you, you were going to go in there? I said, I can't go in. He said, why can't you go in? I said, I just knocked this guy out in the bar fight. I punched his lights out, and I'm going to go in and tell him, God loves you. Now, I got a pastor friend, Bill Outermilk, will verify that. He said, oh, you're going in with me. I said, oh, no. I mean, I went in like this. Man, I just punched this guy out. I'm going to go tell him God loves you. 
He's going to say, yeah, God might, but you don't. <laughs> I just knew something was going to happen, but it didn't. I mean, it was, it, I mean, it was just so amazing. Folks, I'll tell you, when you start drinking into things of God, it changes your life. I said it changes your life. It gives you a better outlook. And, and you know what? When I got saved, I'll tell you what, I'm like some of you. God had to change my vocabulary. Because I had some words in there that I had to take out. Oh, that's no, mm, 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 that, not that one either. How many of you getting my drift? I can only do that as I'm in the spirit of God, drinking in. Hallelujah. What do you do when you get your whole life submerged in God's spirit? You get your self-righteousness. You get your anger. You get your alcohol problems and things like that. Now, I know I'm step, I might be stepping in the area. You know, and let me just say this. I'm not, somebody says, you know, Pastor, are you saying it's wrong to drink some wine or something? I didn't say that. And I'm not going to say that, okay, because the Bible doesn't say that. But there is something the Bible does say that I can say that says don't be drunk. Can I get a witness? So it does say that. Can I say that? Because it says that, okay. So, you know, let's, let's go with that. Don't be drunk with wine because it leads to dissipation. That's what the Bible says. I'm reading the Scripture, okay. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, that is an odd thing. On the day of Pentecost, they said that they were drunk, and then, and then Paul even relates that, you know, being drunk and, 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 and the Spirit of God. Now, there's something there that we need to kind of dig down a little bit. What is dissipation? How many of you know some of those words you just kind of have to look up sometimes? Well, I kind of think I know what dissipation is. Now, first of all, how many of you know what that word means? Let me, because I'm going to bring the microphone around if it's you. Okay, now all hands went down. What's dissipation? Dissipation is wasting or squandering the burning away of resources. Dissipation is like the fog that dissipates. It, it burns away with the morning sun. And there's a whole lot of things that can dissipate in our lives. But too much alcohol can dissipate you. They don't call it getting wasted for nothing. Come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dissipation, okay? You're wasting your resources. You're wasting things, okay? And again, I, I, I'm, I'm dwelling on this this morning, okay? We're not, I'm not getting on little rabbit trails. I want to stay with this this morning. But there's a whole lot of things that can dissipate in your life and that can burn away and squander away that God is trying to do in you when you begin to just, you know, don't be drunk, you know, you know with wine, at least the dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. When you're filled with the Spirit of God, some of those other things, you know, begin to go by the wayside. Hallelujah. You get a new strength. You get a new anointing. And you can go the places where God wants you to go. You can do the things God wants you to do. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap. Because God is in this, and the Spirit of God is in this. Don't fill your life with envy and strife and malice and, and hatred and ugliness and all of that. But be filled with the Spirit of God. And when you fill your life with the Spirit of God, oh, things begin to happen. Can you say amen? amen. Don't fill your life with bitterness and unforgiveness. Baptize that bitterness and unforgiveness into the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God and continually being filled with the Spirit of God. When you have ought against your brother, the, the, your brother, the Bible says when you come to the altar and you th realize you have ought against someone, go make it right, okay, with him, and then come back, okay? Because God's more concerned about you making things right. Come on, somebody. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The answer to your problems, you got to come back to the source of the living water. That's the answer, the source of the living water. What is my answer? You know, how can I deal with this problem? How, you know, let me tell you something. Walk in the Spirit. I tell you what, when you begin to walk in the Spirit, you know, let me tell you something. When you begin to get in, in the Spirit of God, you begin, I'm going to tell you how to soak in the Spirit of God. We're going to talk about how to soak in the Word of God. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. We're going to lead up to that. But I, 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 want, I want you to see that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Number four, let's get this down. Number four, continually filled with the Word of God. The Bible says the Word of God is the, the milk Okay, the Bible says the word of God is the, is the water, it's the bread, it's the meat, it's the honey of our spiritual lives. And we need the word of God. We need prayer, but let me tell you something, prayer will take you so far, but you need the word of God on a daily basis because the prayer and the word of God work together to get you to the place where you need to be. Somebody say amen. Oh, this is good. I, I, I gotta show you this. If you want to know how God thinks about something, then you need to know what God has said about something, and it's in his word. Let me tell you something. This Bible is the word of God. You need to read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It's the word of God. It's a lamp into your faith, a light into your pathway. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the word of God. It'll set you free. Come on, somebody. If you know the truth of this, it will set you free. It will set your marriage free. It will set your finances free. Come on, somebody. It will set free everything in your life. If you let this be a part of your life, let this be your life, the word of God. Oh, you know, but here's the problem we have. Now, you know, some people just want a, a little dose. A little dose is okay. But let me tell you something. You take like a little dose. Now, this is a tea bag. Everybody say, this is a tea bag. And here's the way some of our lives are. It's like, oh, you know. We, we, we need to, to, to read the Word of God, not, 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 not just to read it, you know, you know, see how many chapters we could read or whatever, but we need to read it for, you know, going the distance with that. We need to, we need to you know, richly dwell in the Word of God. I'm going to get to that. But look at this. This is how some people are, okay? They're kind of like, they, you know, you see it doesn't change the water at all, okay? They just get a little, they get in, they get out. They get in, they get out. They get in, they get out. It still hasn't changed. It's not changing. But what we've got to do, we've got to let it get in. You've got to get in. Get in the Word. Stay down there, teabag. <laughs> uh, now, this one over here is a little warmer. Yeah, it's a little warmer. Oh, my goodness. It's already starting to do a little bit there. Oh, yeah. You say, now, look at that. That's already changing. Look at that. Look at that. You see that? Yeah. Some of you up here see that? It's just changing. That's, that's not changed yet. See, some of us just come, we're so cold, we're cold. I mean, and when we come to God, it's the last resort. It's the Hail Mary of life. I'm going to come to God. You know I mean? It's like, uh, you, know, it's, you know, it's like praying. Somebody says, has it come to that? <laughs> well, it really should start with that, you know. But this is the way some people are. They're just cold. But some people are getting on fire and they're hot. They're hot. Come on, and they want God. They're hungry. The Bible says those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, help me out, shall be filled. 
This is the ones over here. Look at this. I mean, this thing is going. We may be able to drink this in a little bit. (laughs) That hasn't moved much at all. It's sitting there. Now, it's good. It's sitting there. And after a while, I I promise it will do something. (laughs) It's starting to a little bit. You can see it just a tad. Okay. (laughs) Here's what Colossians says. Write this down. I think it's in your notes. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. I can't hear you. Say it again. Say it again. Oh, wow. Mm. Ephesians 4.23 says, be made new in the attitudes of your mind. How does that happen? See, when we get walking in the spirit and we let the word become a part of our lives, folks, it's going to start changing us. And we're going to start looking at our lives, and people are going to start looking at our lives. And let me tell you something. People are going to start noticing that we've been with Jesus, that we've been in the Word, that we have an answer, that we have wisdom that's beyond anything. That we have. How many of you know God will give you supernatural wisdom? Now, I'm going to tell you this. Sometimes just the Word of God that you know, I've just told people what the Bible says, and they look at me and say, oh, Pastor, you're so smart. Thank you. Thank you. But it's just the word of God. It wasn't me. It was God's word. I just read the word. That's all you have to do. How many of you know, even politicians, especially when it gets time for elections, they start quoting the Bible? They sure do, don't they? Some of them get it mixed up. They don't understand it, but they quote it because they know know there's power in the word. Come on, somebody. There is power in the word. There's power in God's word. So we dwell in it. The purpose of the Bible is not to inform you. Let me say it again. The purpose of the Bible is not to inform you. It's to transform you into the person that God wants you. Now, there is information that you can get, and that's what some people do. They go there for information, and they get information. But let me tell you something. If you go there with a hungry heart, God can change your life. He can transform your life. Come on, somebody. Again, another problem arises. We start reading the Bible. We start reading the Bible. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word gives you strength. It gives you wisdom. Every action is based on a thought. And if you want to change the way you act, you have to change the way you think. And you've got to get God's word in your mind. What does the Bible say? What does God say? So we start reading the Bible. Now you read the, for depth, not for distance. That's in your notes. It's the last one there if you'll write that down. You read for depth and not for distance. If you're reading for distance, you're going to come away with the word of God in the morning and you're going to say, okay, Lord, I'm behind in my schedule and you're going to start reading and reading and just reading to get caught up and you're really not understanding what it said, but you're just getting the word. Let me tell you something. Don't even read it if you're going to do it like that. I would rather you read one verse if that's all you got time for to let it soak into your life. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Oh, hallelujah. Notice the tea bag. The other one's getting a little bit, but notice this one over here. Let me just hold it up where you can see it. Can everybody see that? Can you see that? When you start soaking in the Spirit of God and in the Word of God, your life is going to change. And let me tell you something. You're going to change the lives of other people around you. You're going to influence other people. Can you say amen? How many, I can remember, you know, 
when I was just a little boy, you know, we, you know, uh, I'm talking about a little guy, you know, four. I, go, I, I remember back when I was four and five and little things like that. But I do remember times your mom putting you in the bathtub, you know, you come in, you've been playing, you're all muddy, Bob, and, you know, you know your mom puts you in the bathtub. And, and all you want to do is just get in and take a little, little uh, dunk and get out. She'd always grab my ears. I don't know why. I want to clean behind my ears. What's that? Nobody sees behind my ears. But when you soak in there and you're in there for a while, how many of you know you come out clean? And that's what we need to do in the Spirit of God and in the Word of God. We need to let it dwell in us richly. We need to soak in it. We need to let the power of God flow through us richly in our lives. Can you say amen to that? There's a time to soak. And, you know, there's a time to soak in the Word. And, and sometimes it's a Word of God. We just, you know, you just, you get the Word and you begin to read it. And you begin to meditate on it. You begin to think about what it says and what it means to you. And, folks, give it a little bit of time. It can change your attitude. It can change your heart. Come on, somebody. It can change the way you're walking. It can change everything. So we walk in the Spirit and we walk in the Word. Can you say amen? Did you get anything out of this this morning? Give the Lord a hand clap, would you?